and you kind of touched on this, but how can a person going through divorce navigate the process as efficiently as possible to make sure that timeline is as short as possible? Yes, there's a lot of things that a person can do. One of those things is get organized. Get all your documents together, make sure you understand your finances, take the time to get to know your finances if you don't understand them. You're gonna need bank statements, 12 months, all accounts. You're gonna need two years of tax returns, federal, all schedules. You're gonna need all your credit card statements nearest the date of separation. You're gonna need all this information. You're gonna need your retirement accounts. Welcome to the 805 Law Group Podcast, your source for an entertaining blend of law and legal community updates. Each week, you'll get crucial insights into family law, personal injury, criminal defense, and estate planning, along with the latest insider information about what's happening in the local legal community and high-profile cases right here on the Central Coast. Now let's get started with your host, the founder of 805 Law Group, attorney Bill Osman. Welcome to the 805 Law Group Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm and I'm Bill Osman. All right. Now, today we're going to talk about the factors that influence how long a divorce takes and how long before the start of child support and spousal support. So, Bill, what factors influence the duration of a divorce? That's a great question, Dean. And there's a lot of different factors that go into how long the divorce process takes. First, this is California. You're dealing with the courts. The courts are not a quick turnaround, full-service, for-profit firm. So they really have no motivation to to turn things around quickly. Uh, Traditionally, it is a very slow operating system. You have to file paperwork. Typically, you have 30 days to response to the initial paperwork. That's going to slow it down. There is a law that the quickest you can be divorced is six months and one day from the date that you're served. So even if you were able to get everything done, you do have that boundary. You're dealing with a bureaucratic process, and there's a lot of requirements that are really needed that both parties have to provide before you can be divorced. One of those things is you have to do decks of disclosure, both preliminary and final decks of disclosure, Dean. So what that means is you have to provide all the tax returns, all the bank statements, all the credit card statements, all the the retirement statements, you have to say, hey, these are all the assets, these are all the debts, not just of the marriage, but if I own them in a separate capacity, separate property capacity, I have to disclose that as well. So this disclosure process is, is full, it's engaging, and so you have to have this organized, you have to disclose it to the other side, and so preparing this, getting it together, where you're going through the hectic process of divorce can take some time. So that's another factor to consider. Another factor that's really important is the level of cooperation and agreement. Some parties agree right away, hey, this is what I've got, this is how we're gonna divide it, this is child custody, this is visitation, this is support. We agree on all these things. That will slow, that will decrease the time that's needed and quicken the process. But if you don't agree on some things, it takes time. You have to petition the court, you have to get your pleadings together, and that disagreement takes time. There's other factors that may come into play. If you have a piece of real property, a business, different assets that need appraisals, there's going to be some time that's needed to gather that information, get those appraisals, 
and get that disclosure. So there's a lot of different things that are happening, and those things really influence how long in total it takes two parties to get divorced in California. Okay, and and you kind of touched on this, but how can a person going through divorce navigate the process as efficiently as possible to make sure that timeline is as short as possible? Yes, there's a lot of things that a person can do. One of those things is get organized. Get all your documents together. Make sure you understand your finances. Take the time to get to know your finances if you don't understand them. You're going to need bank statements, 12 months, all accounts. You're going to need two years of tax returns, federal, all schedules. You're going to need all your credit card statements nearest the date of separation. You're going to need all this information. You're going to need your retirement accounts. Now, is there a typical timeline for finalizing a divorce or is it all across the board? That is a great question. And different counties, I find, have different expectations. I know in the local court, I know all the, the, the local bench officers, and I've heard from many of them that they expect most divorces to take about two years. And they look at most divorces two years or a little more. Our firm, we, we typically do it much quicker than that, but that's what they're typically seeing. And in some of the larger counties where it's really hard to get into court, LA, San Jose, you're seeing a longer time frame. You're seeing some of those counties that are taking three or four years before you get a final decree of divorce on average. Okay. Now let's talk about child support. What are the key considerations that determine when child support payments might begin in a divorce? One thing that's really important, if you're the supported spouse, if you're expecting those child support payments, you need to get that request in. So that's what's going to determine it. The date that you file and request for child support is typically the first date that you're eligible to receive those child support payments. So it's really important to get in with your attorney right away, get the attorney the things that they need, the income and expense declaration, get that filed, get it served, because even if it takes you three months to get in, the date that you filed, you can relate that order back to that original date and collect child support for all that time that you were waiting to get a clear order from the court. Okay. Well, what about with spousal support? Does that work the same way or is it a little different? It's very much the same way. With spousal support, we look at Family Code Section 4320. They are the, the, the factors that the court has to look at. There's temporary spousal support and there's permanent spousal support. But with temporary spousal support, you've got to get in there. You've got to file with the court. You've got to ask for that. And you're putting a bookmark in the sand saying, hey, this is what I need. And getting that request in is very important. Even if you don't get it right away, that dictates the time that spousal support can first be payable. Okay. Are you enjoying the 805 Law Group podcast so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. For more information about 805 Law Group, visit our website, 805lawgroup.com. Now let's get back to the show. Now, how do support payments change the divorce is final? Because you've got the temporary and then you've got the, you know, after the divorce is finalized. How does that change? Well, it, it changes in, in a lot of ways. One way is that quite often we'll see income change during that time. One or both parties' income change. 
But the court is also looking at it in a more substantive fashion. And you start with the temporary spousal support amount that follows the California temporary child spousal support guideline. And then for final support orders, you look at the family code 4320 factors. And so the court's going to look at a lot of different things. What is the lifestyle of the family? What was the pattern? What did the family do prior to the divorce? So all those things come into play. Typically, that will be a somewhat lower amount of spousal support, but it can increase the amount because there could be other factors that change that lifestyle that's greater than the numbers show. And if that's the case, that's what the court will give you. They will follow the guidelines and the argument from counsel as to what that spousal support amount should be. So that spousal support, child support, is on the California Child Support Guideline, and it is affected by the amount of spousal support that's given, as well as what is the income of both parties, what is the timeshare of each party. So the time that you have your kids is one of those factors that the court's going to look at and look at heavily. Other factors they're looking at is what is health care payments, what are they paying for those daycare expenses if there are any, uh, are they having any health-related uh, expenses that should count towards child support? So court looks at all of those things, and, and a great attorney will get that organized. They'll get it in front of the court, and they'll get strong orders that will protect their clients and give them that firm foundation. So as they move forward, they have that security and that income that they can keep that the family together and have a strong family bond and take care of those kids the way that they should be cared for. No, that's great. Okay. I'm going to circle back just a little bit. You had mentioned that different counties can really influence the duration of a divorce. How does the legal system itself, how does that, what role does that play in determining the timeline for a divorce and support agreements for that matter? Dean, it has a lot to do with the timeline. Because if you have an impact in court where the courtrooms are, are full or you have a judge that doesn't really know how to manage his calendar well, it's going to take you longer to get in court and get that relief you know. I've seen some judges that have a really excellent calendar. They manage it really well. They spend time and attention, but no more than necessary and can get through their calendar quickly. Those are the type of... Judges that will typically get you your orders quicker. Some judges just aren't, aren't that organized. Some courts are really impacted. They don't have the funding or they haven't hired as many judges as they need. And it's going to take you longer. Right now, you know, I can get into the courtroom two or three months in San Luis Obispo County. But I go to the Bay Area and it can be three, four, five months before you, you get your initial orders. And then... When you ask for trial, there's some counties that get you in right away and, and you can be heard and others that don't. So how well the managed the calendar is and how impacted those courts are have a great deal to do with how long it takes. Okay. Well, we've talked a lot about the process during the divorce, but what steps can people take post-divorce to ensure a smooth transition into the new dynamics of child support and spousal support? Well, there's a lot of different things that, that people can do. One is you try to smooth out that process, whether there's a, a wage assignment that's coming directly out of your check that, that can make things smooth. If you transfer jobs, you know, let, let the other party know so that there's no hitches in that, which may require you to go back to court. 
So there's several things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Communication is quite often the key. Having good lines of communication, communicating with the other party so that there's no hard feelings. It may be that your payroll is a little late. Hey, it's better to get on the phone or, or email or text a message and let the other party know that's going to be late. So you can smooth those processes out. Good communication, quite often the key. And then, of course, listening to your attorney. Your attorney is going to have some really helpful suggestions for you, how to keep that support down or, or maximize that support and make the process very. So those are the, the, the most important things in, in post-judgment support issues. Excellent, Bill. Well, thanks so much. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the 805 Law Group podcast. Now, if you enjoyed the content, of course, go ahead and drop a like down below and hit the subscribe button or the follow button, whatever platform that you're listening on. And look for those notification bells. Click on that. That way you'll be notified when we put out new episodes and new content. Feel free to comment below before if you have any questions. And hey, Bill, any last thoughts before yeah. we go? Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for updates, we are, have several things on the website that I, I keep trying to add to make sure that we keep everyone informed. So, you know, hit a like, hit a subscribe. Check us out, our latest content. We're coming out with great stuff, and I'm really excited. Excellent. Thanks a lot. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the 805 Law Group Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website, 805lawgroup.com forward slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music, so you never miss an episode. If you found value in the show, we'd love it if you could rate it on iTunes or even tell your friends. Make sure to join attorney Bill Osman next week for another informative and entertaining episode. Remember, at 805 Law Group, we're turning law into empowerment one episode at a time.